Welcome on into Utah Preps Zone, your podcast focused on high school sports, football, and every other sport in between. I'm Jay Catch, your host, joined by my fearless co-host each week, Sean Walker. Sean, how are you, my man? I'm your fearless co-host now? Fearless. Man, I am moving on up in the world. It's always, it's always a pleasure to join you, Jake, but after you pump me up that much and give me way more credit than I ever deserve, how can I not come back? Oh, there you go. Uh, we'll just get this out of the way right off the top here. We are brought to you by John Watson Chevrolet up there in Ogden. Of course, they are the proud sponsors of the Northern Utah High School Football Player of the Week Awards. Sean, do you know who we picked as the Northern Utah High School Football Player of the Week for Week 8? It's got to be somebody from Ben Lomond. No, it's not. Oh, that's unfortunate. Ben Loman got stomped sorry. this week. I'm sorry to the Fighting Scots. We'd like to pick somebody from Ben Loman, but they got to win a game to really help us out or do something notable. Too and that's, soon, man. And, and that's, Too and soon. That, and I'm not trying to bag on Ben Loman, but maybe I am. I don't know. But Record-setting football program, Ben Loman. <laughs> okay, record-setting in a bad way. Let's put it that way. Record-setting. Yes, record-setting. Uh, our Northern Utah High School Football Player of the Week this week, Sean, Cole Hogan from Weber High School. We talked about Weber a lot last week, one of the better teams in Region 1. Great program. Well, the dual-threat quarterback, he only proceeded to run for all five touchdowns that Weber scored in their win last week. So he's the Northern Utah High School Football Player of the Week. Brought to you by John Watson Chevrolet up there in Ogden. Stop on by, check out their full lineup of Chevy vehicles. Also got great used cars. Check them out, guys. Yeah, and Weber brought back a little bit of uh, semblance uh, a, a little semblance of power back to the old Region 1 power struggle last week, Jake, with yeah. a 35-10 to 10 win over Davis. We talked last week significantly about how those standings were looking and how uh, they could really change on any given day. Well, on last Friday, last Friday's given day, you saw a whole lot of chalk. Yeah, you did. The favorites won by and large. Roy shut out Clearfield fifty-two to nothing. Fremont takes down Leighton thirty-four to twenty-three. Syracuse forty-one to thirteen over Northridge. And of course, as you just mentioned, Weber thirty-five to ten over Davis. Region one, it's gonna be an interesting region to see how it all shakes out over these final two weeks. Yeah, we've we've got a little bit a little bit of mystery still here with that league, but I think you're starting to see Weber, Syracuse, and Fremont starting to pull away a little bit from just the slightest bit from the pack. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Sean, looking back at other games from last week, I wanted to stop off in region three for a minute here, if you don't mind. East thirteen, Harriman ten. Now, okay, you're probably thinking 13 to 10 ball game, really? Like the, we talked about last week, this game could be over like in an hour and 30 minutes with how these two teams run the ball. And it still was. And it still was very <laughs> it quick. Still was. Yes, it was. But East comes out with the victory, and that's a big time region win for the Leopards. Yeah, no, really big time win. Sione Angela with a nice little 20 yard touchdown run, something that you see literally every day with that three yards in a cloud of dust offense that Brandon Maddich likes to run. Yeah. Um, but uh, scores the game winning touchdown with four and a half minutes left, and then East defense does the rest of yep. the dirty work to hold on for that victory. Um, I think Jake reports of a region three shakeup were a little bit premature a few weeks ago because you had Bingham struggling. Mm-hmm. You had East struggling a little bit. Well, all of a sudden you look at those standings and it's still pretty much a three team race between Bingham East and Harriman, maybe just a little bit off there. Hey, don't forget about the Riverton Silver Wolves. Oh, of course, let's move. Let's move to Riverton. They're right there. Let's them. move on to Riverton. We got we've got four teams in Region Three, two and one in Region Play. Granted, we all know that Region Play has been diminished by the RPI system. Uh, it, it's not as imperative as it used to be, but still, 
to have four teams at two and one right now with two weeks left in the season going to be an interesting race to see who ultimately kind of pans out on top of Region 3. Yeah, we'll touch on this a little bit more in our third segment, which as longtime followers of a podcast will know, our third segment is always where we uh, look ahead to the week that comes. But Correct. Riverton at East this Friday, somebody's going to take a second loss in region play. Mm-hmm. Um probably eliminate them from a re- the region title race, I think. I think I, I can say that with confidence. You're, you're very um, much having <laughs> to make up ground with only one week yeah. remaining. Yeah, it's not going to work out. Yeah, so uh, so massive, massive game there. And a massive game set up simply because East got the win this week over the Mustangs. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Bingham takes care of business in their game against Riverton last week, 34-13. to And then Jordan uh, beat Copper Hills and the two teams who are also in Region 3, 35-17. to I, I think Region 3 is going to be sneaky good here, Sean. And just kind of give a preview for people, we're actually going to have James Edward, the prep news editor for the Deseret News, covers everything under the sun when it comes to prep sports for the Deseret News. He'll be joining us in the next segment. We'll talk a lot about RPI, some of his thoughts on Bingham and the like. Yeah, I, I think you mean prep sports czar. Oh, czar. James Edward. Is czar the official title the for The little Buddha guys? himself. The little Buddha himself. Absolutely. James is great. I love James. Shout out to former Lakers draft pick uh, James Edward, also the original Buddha, but <laughs> he's Buddha number two. Absolutely. All right, Sean. Um, other games I wanted to get to. We actually, so in Region 4, of course, we all know the Corner Canyon is kind of the class of 6A. Um, can, can we can we back up by about oh, a day as sorry, we yeah. start Region Four? Yes, a go ahead. My bad. I, I apologize. I kind of jumped the shark let's, here. Yeah, let's move. Let's move to Thursday. So rewind a little bit. Okay. Skyridge twenty two, Lone Peak twenty one. Okay. Can I just say wow? Well, yeah. I think most people. Wow. It's wow. Wow. Uh, Lone Peak on a two-game losing skid all of a sudden after exploding out of the gates, looking like one of the best teams in the state. They still still very well might be one of the best teams in the state, but Skyridge is a force, my friend. And John Lehman's team, okay, we talked about just barely how we thought maybe just a couple weeks ago that the Region 3 teams may have maybe a little bit of shake-up in terms of teams maybe not looking as good as they thought. Well, Skyridge is one of those teams I worried about. I was wondering, okay, are they going to kind of fall back a little bit this year? Well, this kind of a win over Lone Peak I think it says, yeah, no, we're not taking no, we're not taking a step back. We are right here in the thick of things. Yeah, one hundred percent. And and the big reason I think that they are in the thick of everything with a massive game uh, this weekend at Corner Canyon is because of their quarterback Emmett Call. Yep. I don't think we've talked about him enough in terms of top quarterbacks in the state of Utah. Uh, this isn't a guy who jumps off the page in terms of. Just overall tangibles. He doesn't look like this massive six foot five division one quarterback with a you know, <laughs> who can throw a seventy five yard pass. Yeah. But he's a really smart player. He's a he's a sixty something percent, sixty seven percent passer um, on the year. Fourteen touchdowns with five interceptions. Really nice player, and he just runs the Skyridge offense. It's really simple. It's not overly complicated. Um, they do a little bit of spread, a little bit of pro style, and and he just he's kind of like last week we talked to uh, Park City quarterback Jack Skidmore. Uh-huh. He's kind of like a six A version of Jack. Okay, yeah, I, I like that. I like that. I think that's a very apt comparison there. And yeah, big win for Skyridge. They are very much in the mix here. I'm interested to see uh, what happens with this, but it's going to be. It's going to be an interesting race in six head. It's the easiest way to say that in not so many words. It's just you're going to see an interesting race here. Of course, Corner Canyon absolutely blitzed uh, Westlake last week, setting up that game this week between the two of them. 
Region 4, man, still the SEC of high school football in the state of Utah, and there are some great programs in that, in that region. Yeah, and Lone Peak now forcing, forced to rebound after a two-game losing skid, and all they have to do is go beat longtime historic rival American Fork, the other power <laughs> team in Region 4. Uh, congrats, guys. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, all right, Sean, uh, let's move along here and talk about some of these other results from last week. Uh, anywhere else you want to go real quick? Let's, uh, let's drop down to 5A, shall we, okay. a little bit. Let's start up north, uh, up, up in the northern hinterlands, brought to, by, brought to you by our good friend at uh, Watson Chevrolet, because um, I do want to make quick mention of Farmington 30, Bonneville 14. Mm-hmm. Once again, the Phoenix continuing to roll. I shouldn't say continuing to roll. Bouncing it's back. Bounce back, yeah. Yeah, bouncing back from their uh, first region loss of the year with an absolutely pivotal game if they want to still maintain hopes for a Region 5 title. So good to see that bounce back out of the Phoenix. Yeah, Bonneville's been a good team. Uh, Cord Shaw, of course, was the John Watson Chevrolet, play, Chevrolet Northern Utah High School Football Player of the Week last week. So this was no slouch of a Lakers program, but yeah, a good bounce back win for uh, for the for the Phoenix, I, I struggle not saying the Phoenixes. I don't know why. I know it's not the Phoenixes. There's supposed to be another word that apparently gets people in trouble if you use it. But Phoenix, we'll, Phoenix is singular. I know. And plural. I know. I know. We are legion, Jake. We or, are legion. Yeah. Anyways, we'll leave that alone. We are legion. <laughs> but yeah, an interesting in there. Okay, Sean, I wanted to talk about in Region Six. Okay. Two programs who are historically very proud programs. Two programs that have been longtime rivals. But I didn't expect this scoreline between these two teams. Highland 64, Skyline 57. Pew, 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 pew. Yeah, exactly. Talk about a shootout, especially a Brody Benson Highland team that runs the triple option. you got to be breaking off all kinds of runs to put up 64 points in a game. Um, yeah, all kinds of triple options, something or another. And uh, can, we give, can we give the ultimate losing effort in Utah high school football this year. I want to give a shout-out to Skyline quarterback Braxton Bolingbroke. Yeah. Seven touchdown passes in a losing effort. Yeah, pretty impressive there. Oh, man, poor Eagles, poor Eagles. But, I mean, this was the type of game I think that Highland needed in a lot of ways because they were kind of on the, the sort of middling cusp of high school football right now. Not one of the elite teams um, in uh, – <clears throat> Excuse me, not one of the, the, the kind of the elite teams in their state, but also not one of those like middling and poor teams, just sort of there. And, and you knew that Highland was going to come in with his vaunted triple option rushing attack. They like to put the ball on the ground. But if they get into a shootout, can they keep up enough and can they kind of maintain pace with teams that just want to go out, the, go at them and have a really good offense? Well, Skyline came at them with a really good offense, seven touchdown passes from Bolingbrook. And, uh, and Highland just responded. Every single time. And if you want to believe it, this game was 0-0 after one quarter. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and the longest, so the longest touchdown from scrimmage, Sean, 45 yards. Yeah. I, I mean, it was, it was absolutely something. Yeah, so just crazy. Anyway, so yeah, big game there. I, I don't necessarily think that either of these teams are huge players in 5A, but that scoreline in, in particular caught my eye. Yeah. Uh, speaking of scorelines that caught my eye, down in Region 7, maybe the game of the week in 5A last week. I would agree. I know uh, where you're going here. Orem 28, Timfew 10. Big win for the Tigers. Um, I, I got news for you, courtesy of Noah Sewell. Okay. I'm glad to be back. Yeah, well, you feel like you're back now? You had a couple yeah. touchdowns tonight. I'm back. That's all I got to say. I'm back. Yeah. They, they're not ready. I'm back. <laughs> 
There you go. Declares he's, himself he's back. He's back. Noah Sewell's back. Uh, I mean, Noah Sewell back. Two touchdowns for Orem in this big win. This was only his second game of the year. Made his return a week ago against Tempanogos. Nobody really knew quite what to think about him, but a dangerous Noah Sewell, the only five-star prospect right now in the state of Utah, top prospect in the state of Utah. And Orem at 4-3, and three, I think still has to be in that list of maybe a half dozen candidates for a, a class 5A state title. Well, if, with a healthy Noah Sewell, absolutely. I don't know if people saw some of the highlights from this game. He was grabbing dudes who are he's a he's six foot what two two hundred and sixty two hundred and seventy pounds. Listen, two sixty five, and holy smokes, you're not going to see many players do what he does to guys who weigh three hundred pounds with one arm. Just insane. Yeah, I, fe- I felt a little bad. I- I'm gonna I'm gonna be totally honest here because we're sports writers. We're supposed to be neutral and impartial, but we're also human. I felt a little bad for some of these ten few linebackers because um, I saw one or two in particular who did everything right uh-huh. when defending Noah Sewell. Kept their eyes on his midsection, like lined him up horizontally. Um, you know, stayed in front of him, and then they'd go in for the tackle, heads up, looking to wrap up with the arms, everything. Like, they're not just trying to hit and bounce off him, whatever. Doing literally everything right. Perfect yeah. rugby form in their tackle. Um, and he just shucks them by. <laughs> like, just absolutely shucks kids that and uh, that sometimes are, are yeah. just as big or maybe 30 pounds bigger than him. Yeah. It's just absolutely unreal watching this guy. I know he projects as a linebacker at the next level. He's got some of the top programs in the nation that are after him. Alabama, I'm talking Alabama, Oregon, oh, yeah. Texas A&M. Um, big, big, big time schools. But, <laughs> Matt, watching him run the football really is a treat. Whoever the college program that lands him, I would have him as a short yardage back. There is no doubt about that. And not to mention, Sean, him running the ball on offense. He only added eight tackles on defense, tied for the team lead. Pretty impressive. Just uh, On an off night. On an off It was night. an off night for him defensively. He's still working his way back. Come yeah. On, what are you talking about? <laughs> he, did, he didn't play the whole game on defense. Yeah. All right, Sean, a couple other games I want to mention before we get to James Edward here. Uh, let's dip down to 4A for a minute, unless there's anybody else in, in the 5A range you want to talk about. You want to talk about your beloved Bulldogs? <laughs> uh, Provo with a nice 30-26 to 26 win at Salem Hills, who still somehow remain the top team. Um, in the RPI rankings at 5A. Maybe we'll ask Buddha about that. We'll ask, we'll ask James Edward from the Deseret News about that a little bit and, and not spend too much more time on that. But good bounce back win for Springville, 20 to nothing over Spanish Fork as well. But you know me, Jake. I love me some Region 9 football. So let's head to St. George, shall we? Let's do it. Uh, Desert Hills beats Crimson Cliffs 35-13. to Not all that surprising there. Dixie shuts out Canyon View 49-0. Reggie Graff continues to get it done down there. Good bounce-back win for the Flyers after taking their first L of the season at Pineview just a week prior. Uh, McLeod Croton continues to light it up. 56 points. Oh, not, sorry, not McLeod Croton. Yeah, Pineview? No, that's uh, Pineview is going to be... Um, McLeod Croton? Yeah, McLeod Croton lighting it up 56-19 over Hurricane and Snow Canyon. This was the kind of the surprising score for me. Cedar's been a pretty good team this year, but to see Snow Canyon lay 55 on them in a 55-10 to win, a little bit surprising there. Yeah, you, you never really know. And at Cedar City, nonetheless. Yes, exactly. I mean, you never really know quite what to expect. There's always going to be that one game in Region 9 that goes 
what? Yeah. And I think that was that this week. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Sean, a surprising result. I guess, well, not all that surprising, but I think it kind of clearly delineates the top teams in Region 10. Park City, we mentioned Ben Loman off the top here. 70 to 6. Park City lays 70 points. Okay, I'm... I'm not going to throw shade at Ben Loman for this loss, though, because oh. Park City's really, really good. We spent all of last podcast talking about about PC. This is a club that I think could be competitive in 5A. Yeah, absolutely. I would so. agree with that. But then the other game in that region that I think delineates the top three teams, Stansbury gets the 31 to 28 win on their home field against Mountain View. And a two-game losing streak from your Bruins. Yeah, the Bruins are on a two-game losing streak. I felt like they were a little bit of a paper tiger rolling up that 6-0 and record. I think that they've kind of been exposed now. They've kind of been shown, hey, this is where you guys are deficient and whatnot. They have a big game against Cedar Valley who beat Ogden last week. Uh, this will be Thursday night out there at Cedar Valley. We'll see if Mountain View is able to bounce back. Yeah, and this could be a game that they need. I mean, Cedar Valley hasn't exactly been world beaters by any no. sense of the word. I I think they're the, I mean, best, gone, of the, they're the best of the new school. Yeah, this and they they've certainly gotten a lot better uh, since about the midway point of Region Ten, starting to find themselves, starting to find their identity. They've got some athletes, they have got some talent. Uh, West has built themselves a nice program out there, but this is a game that I think Mountain View needs if it wants to maintain any sort of hope of being still being in that upper echelon mm-hmm. in Class Four A. I think they need to win this game. Absolutely. All right, Sean. Any other games you need to touch on here from last week? Um, Skyview just keeps doing big things up in Region 11. We should give them a shout out, 42 to 14 over Logan. I know that's a bit of a rivalry game. So, well, Logan's been pretty good this year. Yeah. So a little bit of a surprise there. Yeah, so that. holding them down there, I I think is pretty impressive. Um, and then anything in the 2A or 3A ranks that well, stood out to you? Milford beats Miller 37 to 29. We talked about that game being a battle at the top of the 2A South and. Bryson Barnes comes through. That Beaver loss, Sean, where they absolutely got blitzed by Beaver, I think looks more of a, an anomaly than it does uh, a trend, I guess, because Milford, all they've done is just win outside of that game. Yeah, Beaver's a really good team. I mean, Beaver is a great team. Milford has certainly found itself uh, after that loss. Bryson Barnes continues to roll for the Tigers. Uh, I think we might have seen a preview of the 2A state championship game. I could see that. Absolutely. Milford versus Millard. I think it'd be, it's a mouthful. Milford, Millard, Milford, Millard. Say that 15 times fast. All right, Sean. Well, there you go. That's kind of a recap of week eight in Utah high school football. Coming up next, James Edward from the Deseret News. Prep sports czar for the Deseret News. He's actually the prep sports editor, but we'll go with the czar. I like that. It's pretty good. That's coming up next right here on the Utah Prep Zone. Welcome back to the Utah Prep Zone, your podcast focused on high school sports, particularly high school football, but we're bringing on a guy who covers the width and breadth of all things high school sports for the Deseret News. He is James Edward. James, how are you, sir? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing today? Oh, we're doing all right. Appreciate taking some time to join us. Uh, we're now going into the ninth week of the high school football season. So region play, in some cases, is coming to a, a swift close here. The RPI ratings, of course, have been kind of one of the big talking points this season. What have kind of been your overall impressions of the season to this point? Uh, overall impressions, God, there's so much to talk about. I, I think, obviously, Corner Canyon, how they've been able to, they're still undefeated. 
playing the toughest schedule in the state, I, I think. I, I don't know. Maybe RPI would tell me differently, but I can't imagine anyone had a tougher schedule than that. They're still undefeated. They've got some, you know, a couple of close games. And you, even like a Sky Ridge or a, or a Syracuse, I mean, a Kearns, there's some teams out there that you figure, I mean, they're good programs, but I think they've exceeded my expectations. And I think that, I guess I would say that I expect the 6 day tournament to maybe be better than I originally thought it would be. I thought it would very be very top-heavy, but it feels like there's there's some decent teams out there. I don't know that anyone's going to beat Corner Canyon, but I don't think we'll see this through a blowout that maybe I thought we might see coming into the year at least. Yeah, James, that's that's really interesting because I I, I felt that way a lot about in particular, kind of the top of each region. I feel like the top of each region this year has sort of had one or two programs that you look at and you go, okay, this is a team that could really make a run in the state tournament. And then when you try to compare it to a team like Corner Canyon that's been so good taking on all takers, um, that gets maybe a little bit more dicey. Maybe somewhere where the Chargers have surprised me in some ways because I thought that they'd probably be pretty good moving up to 6A, but they surprised me a little bit with the way they've handled this Region 4 schedule. How how deep, and I know you've covered a lot of these programs in Region 4, but but how deep is, is that league? And is this another season where we could see really big things in the playoffs from the top teams in that league in particular? You know, it's interesting because um, I, I think Corner Canyon... I mean, if we're being honest, I think they caught Warren at a good time, with obviously without uh, yeah. school playing. I think they caught Harriman at a good time early in the year, but while Harriman, well, they kind of figured it themselves out. Uh, Harriman always does that. Harriman's always better late in the year than they are at the beginning of the year. Uh, Bingham, I mean, I, they just destroyed them. I mean, whether that was week one or week ten, I think the way they played that game, they were always going to win. Uh and the Lone Peak game, I mean, if we're being honest, that should have been a loss. If Lone Peak takes care of business, mm-hmm. that's a loss for them. Two touchdowns in the final minute, game. right? Yeah, exactly. I, I think today, or not today, Thursday, geez, where are we? Thursday's game against Skyward is going to be an interesting game. I think it'll be close because part of it, I think, a lot of times these teams, and we see it a lot in high school, they come out and they just dominate early, especially offensively. But once someone exposes them on film about what might work. If everyone copies it, why wouldn't you? It works. So I think Lone Peak, you know, granted they have better athletes than most teams, but I think the blueprint is out there on what you can do to Corner Canyon. And I think Skyridge has the athlete that they can show and try to, whether they can beat them or not, I don't know, but I think the blueprint is out there. And that's the blueprint that Bingham, if they get another chance, they'll use. Harriman, if they get another chance, they'll use. So, I think the games are going to be a lot closer going forward for Corner Canyon. I still think they're they're the favorite, but I mean they, you know, senior quarterback with tons of experience, a, a team that's a defending state champ, and a team that's a defending state champ with a chip on its shoulder because it's not the mm-hmm. sixth day defending state champ. So that makes them very dangerous. Yeah, James, I wanted to ask you about Bingham in particular. You mentioned the fact that Harriman kind of has figured themselves out. Orem, of course, has come around now that Noah Sewell's healthy. I feel like Bingham, in a way, has figured themselves out in some forms and facets, but hasn't necessarily, I think, identified their normal, I guess, prowess is the easiest way to say it this season. What have kind of been your impressions of John Lamborn's team? 
definitely a different team this year. And I, I think what's interesting is that when they lost to Harriman, and that was a game that, that I was at, and the, the offense really – the offense didn't play well in the first half. And then the quarterback went down with a, with a neck injury. I believe it was late in the first half. And so they just had to throw this JV kid in there. And their offense – I mean, they might have got two first downs in the second half. But what was interesting, I talked to Lambo in the next week when they beat East after the game, is they kind of went with just like a basically a two-headed monster at quarterback, and they just they were basically just wildcat quarterbacks. That's all they did. I think they threw two passes, and so I think they're expecting to get their quarterback back, uh, Troy Maine, uh, maybe for the playoffs. But what what the injury did is it might have been a blessing in disguise, not for Troy per se, but for the team because forced them to try other things and I think they figured out what what they what they can do offensively to be effective. I think before for whatever reason it just wasn't clicking. They weren't putting points on the board and I think that happened against the dominant corner canyon team. They just couldn't move the ball and then all of a sudden you're giving corner canyon great field position. So I think part of it they figured themselves out a little bit. I think their hand was forced in that regard. But I also think defensively, they had a lot of new faces. Um, it's not the same Bingham team. You look at them, they don't pass that Bingham eye test of just being giants in the trenches. But I think that they've kind of had a, they kind of have to be like all the other teams have been for the past decade. They have to be more team oriented and figure out ways to get the job done because they just can't push people over. And I think the coaching staff's good enough there. That I think they're starting to figure that out. Well, speaking of figuring stuff out, James, and maybe we can move to 5A a little bit with this because that classification seems to be full of a lot of teams that are starting to figure themselves out right now. I mean, we've seen Salem Hills be so good all year, finally take their first first ding of the season to Provo last week. Still number one in the RPI, though, um, somehow, which maybe we can touch on. But but as teams figure themselves out, I mean, you've got Olympus, you've got Provo in there, you've got Farmington figuring things out. Orem is finally back to, I think, what we thought Orem would be at the start of the year before. Noah Sewell's injury out there is this a classification that's that I mean it feels like it gets more wide open by the week to me like there are you know one of five six seven eight teams that could win a state title down there there are I think it's I think it's deep in it's deep in the way that there's there's not a lot of terrible teams I mean you know there are some you look at the standings and it's easy to figure out who they are I think there's a lot of those good teams, but I just, as far as true contenders, man, maybe three or four, honestly. I mean, teams that you look at that have, and I understand what you're saying, there's a lot of teams out there, but when I look at these teams, as okay, who can win four games in a row? Maybe five, but really, really, <laughs> you know, who can win four games in a row? And I think you have to have an elite defense because the weather gets cold and the teams that throw a lot mm-hmm. just don't know. And how many elite defenses are there out there? I mean, in our top three in our rankings of the Desert News, we got Olympus, Orem, and Salem Hills right now. I know that's not the RPI order, but that's our order. I think those are the elite defenses. And after mm-hmm. that, they're good. I don't know that anyone's elite. And so I think it's going to be interesting. I think that the the tournament from round one to the very end is going to probably be the most entertaining because there are so many teams that are competitive. I mean, look at the Highlands. I mean, they're six and two and Salem Hills destroyed them in their game. But is that a one-off loop thing? I mean, there's so many of those question marks that I think makes it a really interesting state tournament. 
But I just don't know who besides those top three that I could realistically see winning four games in a row, maybe five. Yeah, James, I wanted to, you mentioned the fact that yeah, who's going to win four games? Who's going to even have to win five games? The RPI that has come into effect this year, <coughs> excuse me, every team is going to make the playoffs this year. Regardless of your record, you're going to be in the playoffs. Do you like this new RPI system? What have kind of been your takeaways from the first year of the UHSAA implementing it? I don't know. I mean, I, I've i talked to a lot of coaches, especially coming into the year football, and, mm-hmm. you know, they were all worried about what, what it would do to the regions and would it, you know, make them matter anymore. And really, probably not. I mean, you want to win a region title, and that's cool to say, but I mean, we, we just saw it with soccer. Um, the soccer RPI came out today, and, you know, Bingham wins their region title, but they didn't get a first-round buy. I know it happened in some um, some other regions. So yeah. I don't – and it's interesting because I don't know that the first-round buy is that big a deal it's from the standpoint that – I mean, look at – I was projecting ahead and looking at Dixie, and Dixie plays their last game this week. Uh, they have a bye in week 10. They're going to be a top three or four seed and have a bye the first week of the playoffs. They may not play another game again. It's in between. It's like three and a half weeks before they play another game, which I don't know that that's a good thing. I can't imagine any coach wanting to have their guys rest for that long. I don't like that 0-8 teams get in the zero and 9 teams get in the football playoffs. I don't like that 0-6 soccer teams get in the playoffs. And I bet those coaches don't necessarily like it either. But it is what it is. Um, I think it's, I don't know. You tell me, do I like it versus no? I probably prefer it over the old way, uh, especially all these coin flips that decide seeding and those things. I mean, you get a bad coin flip and it's, I mean, it can totally make you go from Smithfield to St. George. I mean, yeah. how fair is that? I'd rather have it come come down to some tangible thing they did on the field. And I guess that's probably the biggest positive for me is the elimination of, because we have small regions here in the state, five and 16 regions, and the coin flip in many regions is what ultimately decided seeding. So maybe that's the biggest, biggest positive I take away from it. As a high school football player who won a region title thanks to a coin flip, I have to vehemently disagree with you that they're a bad deal, James. Come on now. <laughs> Anyways, I just wanted to toss that in there. Uh, yeah, James, but you uh, you mentioned the uh, the uh, girls' soccer playoffs are about to begin, and here we now have tangible proof of what an RPI-based system looks like for the postseason, um, which I know a lot of people were kind of taking that sort of wait-and-see, and a lot of coaches are still taking a little bit of that wait-and-see. Things will shake out on the football side of things. Were there any big surprises, at least in terms of uh, top, maybe top four through eight-ish seeds um, as we get underway with the Girls Soccer State Tournament this year? I don't think so, and I, I I don't think there's surprises that the final after the final RPI came out because they don't really change that much from week to week. I mean, I've I've been following mm-hmm. the football a lot closer than soccer, but I have been looking at the soccer, and you know, from week to week. I mean, you, you even alluded to earlier, Salem Hills is still number one after a loss, and since it came out, there's like maybe 
one team or two teams go up four, four or five places each week. But there's like, we're talking about like 104 teams that play high school football. Mm-hmm. We're talking maybe two, two or three that move up or down more than three places each week after results. A lot of them move up one or down one and stay the same. So, I mean, realistically, what you look at the football RPI right now, teams are maybe going to move two places, three from where they're at now. So that RPI, even though we're a week away from it being official, or two weeks because some of the teams still play two games, it's really not going to change that much. And I think that was the thing with soccer. It's really... I think, you know, except for those ones, the teams right on that bubble of do I have a bye or not a bye, am I the 16 or 17 seed, which is the difference between the home game and the road game. I mean, those probably fluctuate. But by and large, I mean, teams are where they're going to be. Coaches already know if they're going to be on the road or home for playoffs. So I wouldn't say there were surprises today. I think it, it played out how you expect. I mean, in soccer. In all sports, Region 4 is the dominant region, Region 3, then Region 1. and Region 2, we all know in 6A, I mean, in most sports, mm-hmm. that's the weakest region. And those teams are all on the road in the first round of the playoffs, or they're not going to get home games. I mean, it's just that's kind of the way they set it up, and it's going to play out that way in pretty much all sports, which that's what I know the Region 1 and 2, especially the 6A coaches, don't like because they don't get rewarded for winning their region. They're doing well in their own region. Well, James, I can't thank you enough for taking the time. It's a blast to cover your work. Read it at the Deseret News. Uh, Looking forward to having you on the podcast again soon to talk more about high school sports, okay? Yeah, totally. I always love to talk about high school sports, especially this year when there's so much newness to it, which makes it exciting. That there is, friend. That there is. Uh, we'll we'll make sure to put you into the rotation and uh, maybe try to compensate you with I don't know, like some tortillas or something next time, because that's about all we can afford. <laughs> so nothing in the tortillas, just tortillas. Just tortillas. No, 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 we can't afford beef. Okay. Come on now. Might be corn or flour. <laughs> right. You'll get you your choice of corn or flour. But that's about it. Oh, good. <laughs> put me down for two corns. Always corn. Awesome. Thanks so much, James. There you go. James Edward, prep sports editor and or czar, depending who you're asking on this podcast. Can't think of enough for high school football commissioner for the state of Utah. I'd I'd vote for him. I I would absolutely. I mean, better him than Roger Goodell. (laughs) Roger Goodell were in Utah high school football in addition. No, thank you. To the NFL. No, thank you. Uh, yeah, so great stuff there from James. I, I, I'm i I'm with him in the fact that I don't think that winless teams should be in the playoffs. I, it's kind of just it's something for me that I'm just like, you know what, that doesn't make sense to me, but I'm not sure you can adjust it to keep them out. Does that make sense? Hopefully I'm making sense with my take on that. No, I mean, I, I think you guys are absolutely right. And quite frankly, I think most of the coaches, at least, he, maybe not some of the players, but most of the coaches of those winless teams uh, or even one-win teams, maybe uh-huh. some two-win teams in there, no matter how tough of a schedule they've played, a lot of them don't want to play in the playoffs. They don't want to extend their season. Some of the players don't either because when, when you're talking about about kids playing in programs at that level, most of them are playing basketball or wrestling or they got to get ready for for uh, for uh, baseball practices coming up or that kind of thing. So they kind of just need to move on. Um, I almost don't think it's fair in a lot of ways to make them 
quote unquote have to play a playoff game. Well, let's be honest. We're talking about young young people who will check out at some point, and to force them to play another game that maybe they're not necessarily up for, it actually poses it's a little bit of, a little danger there in a way. So maybe they can adjust in the future where yeah they maybe drop the bottom few teams in the playoffs. I think that would actually improve improve the product overall just in my take, but interesting to hear James talk about that as well. Yeah, 100%. Uh, I mean, I, I think we're I think we're mostly in agreement here. All right. Well, we will uh, step aside here, come back on the other side. We'll talk about week nine, a slate that's split across two days, of course, the UEA, UEA or fall break holiday coming up. So a lot of programs shifting their games to kind of get days between games, even it out a little bit. We'll get to all of that next right here on the Utah Prep Zone, brought to you by our good friends at John Watson Chevrolet up there in Ogden. This is the Utah Preps Zone podcast. Sean Walker, Jay Catch, talking about week nine in Utah high school football here, Sean. Uh, like I mentioned, two days where they kind of split the games across the state. Uh, some of these programs have fall break coming up, so they're trying to even out the days between games here in the final two weeks of the season. Fall break, UEA break, as our friends in Cache Valley like to call it, the opening of the hunt. Yeah, opening of the deer hunt, yeah. So it, it, whatever you call it, regardless, you know exactly what we're talking about here. But Sean... Thursday, we feature Region 4 action, six teams in action, some good games here. And the game of the week, I think, actually in, in Week 9 is on Thursday night. Uh, obviously, you're talking about Westlake traveling to Pleasant Grove. <laughs> no. Just kidding. We're talking about number one, Corner <laughs> Canyon, for the second time in three weeks, mm-hmm. hosting the number two team in the state, according to the Deseret News, uh, Power Pole. And no, I'm not talking about Lone Peak. I'm talking oh. about the other team in Lehigh, in the Lehigh, greater Lehigh area, the Sky Ridge Falcons. The city of Lehigh, they are there. They are actually in the city of Lehigh. Yep, Sky Ridge at Corner Canyon. This should be a good game, considering Sky Ridge did get that win over Lone Peak, but also just two weeks ago, Corner Canyon scraped up that win over Lone Peak. So these two teams, I think that they're trying to flex some muscle here and really show, hey, we are the, we are the team to beat. Yeah, and... and Corner Canyon showed a lot of weaknesses, um, to, to paraphrase James Edward from yeah. Desert News, showed a lot of weaknesses in, in that game against Lone Peak, being 54 seconds away from taking their first and only loss of the year. I think you're going to see a lot of teams try to copy that maneuver, copy that playbook. That game was broadcast um, online and on television. There's so a lot of teams, a lot of coaches are going to get that film and figure out what Lone Peak did to really hold down Cole Hagen and the Chargers so well. I th- and I think Skyridge can have kind of some similar success because they're a very similar team yeah. to Lone Peak with a big, strong defensive line, really good pass rush, um, and then an offense that knows how to put up some points with maybe some occasionally limited, at least athletically, skill position players that just know how to go up and make plays. Yeah, absolutely. John Lehman is a defensive mind through and through. Guys like Jordan Pendleton on his staff, they'll have a plan in place to try and defend Corner Canyon here. We'll see if the if the Chargers can get a little bit untracked here on offense and get back to their high-flying ways a little bit too. It'll be interesting to see if that is able to take place. There's and of course, my boy, your boy, everyone's boy, whose name I'm about to butcher, I'm really, really sorry to the Ross family, Iolani Ross. Iolani Ross, yeah. Yeah. 
one of the top uh, defensive linemen, certainly in the state, uh, right up there. I think top 20 defensive linemen in the Western U.S., Great according player. to our friends over at 24-7 Sports. Great player. There. So um, if, he can get a, if he can get some pressure on Cole Hagen in that offensive line, watch out. This could be one that Corner Canyon will remember for a while. And there's another good game in Region 4 tomorrow night. American Fork at Lone Peak. These are two rivals that go back and forth, two high-flying offenses when they're at their best. This should be a good game in its own right. Yeah, American Fork still struggling to find a little bit of consistency. Um, Early in region play, not some great results. Rebounded, I think rebounded really well last week. 38-26 to win over Pleasant Grove. Kind of their hard hat hanging win of their schedule right now. Um, But what do we always say about rivalry games, Jake? Toss the records out the you window. You got to throw the records right out the window. Just <laughs> throw them out the window. That's what this is, American Fork Lone Peak. Um, I don't know if I'd want to be anywhere else than a night stadium it should be on a good Thursday game. night. There should be no doubt. It should be a great game there. All right, Sean, let's dip down to Region 7 here. Um, Orem is at Mountain Ridge, and I'm not going to lie. They should probably just call mercy on this game right now. That's just my take on that. But the other game... 3-0 three, three win for Aura. Mark it down. The, the, the other game to note, though, is Timview at Alta. These are two programs that in a tough region that I think are trying to still jostle themselves with the RPI ratings, the region ratings. I think this should be a good game. Timview desperately needs a bounce back win after taking their first region loss of the year last week at Orem. Uh, Alta's not going to make it very easy on them, though, coming in with a three-game winning streak, including an absolutely... I was a little bit stunned last week the way the Hawks uh, went into Lehigh and won 34-28 over the Pioneers. Maybe showed a little bit of weaknesses with a Lehigh team that was very high-scoring, very high-octane. Uh, keeping them down underneath a 30-point mark was really impressive. We'll see if they can do the same thing with this Timfew team. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Sean, uh, Region 8 tomorrow. That's one another one I want to touch on here. I think there's a decent... <laughs> oh, excuse me. Salute. Thank you. All right, let's redo that. One other thing I want to note here, Sean, is in Region 8. I think there's actually a sneaky good game here, and that is between Maple Mountain and Provo. Your, your Bulldogs. Yeah, Provo with a chance to clinch at least a share of the Region 8 title here tonight against a Maple Mountain team that hasn't been overly impressive but has definitely been pesky yeah. for most clubs on their schedule. Good enough to beat the teams that they should beat, not good enough to beat the other teams, I guess. Um, but I'm going to rewind a couple weeks ago to when Maple Mountain went to Springville, another contender, challenger, whatever word you want to use mm-hmm. in Region 8. Um, and Springville kind of squeezed by with a 35-22 to 22 win there. They didn't really get some separation, much separation until the fourth quarter. Uh, this is a game that could be really tight at least for a half, maybe three quarters. I expect the Bulldogs to pull away. I think they have more talent yeah. than the Golden Eagles. But coming in... Off of a big game, handing Salem Hills their first loss of the year. Uh, We'll see just exactly how they rebound in this trap game sort of scenario. Yeah, absolutely. We'll see what happens there. All right, Sean, let's move on to Friday here. I wanted to talk about a game in the 2A South region first here. I think it's a game that's going to determine, okay, is Beaver the best team in 2A or was their win over uh, Milford maybe a little more of a 
a one-off in a way, but they're at Millard. This is a big game, a big I-15 rivalry because we're talking about Beaver having to go just up I-15 to Fillmore. There. A little territorial cup action Yeah, absolutely. down there in the original territorial capital of Deseret. Yep, absolutely. I think that's a, a sneaky good game. Uh, Parowan, I think, could give Milford a little bit of, of a run there as well. Yeah, and the Beavers ending the season with back-to-back road games, I know a couple of teams in the state do it, so I won't throw too much of their direction saying that's yeah. unfair or anything like that because it happens. Uh, but this team's been so good. They've, I mean, they've been pretty good everywhere, but in particular, they've been so good at home in Beaver. Mm-hmm. Um, having to travel in the 2A South, it does mean a little bit something, especially when compared to teams up here on the Wasatch Front where schools are like 10 <laughs> to 15 minutes apart. Yeah. You're talking about hour, hour and a half, two hour long bus rides. Um, or in, in some cases, cases, six hour bus rides when yeah. you're rich. I think this one's only like 90 yeah. minutes or but something like, like, like that. But like, think about Rich having to go to Monticello sometimes. Yeah. You're like, holy smokes. Yeah, like, so travel does mean something in Class 2A. Um, and it'll be it'll be interesting to see how Beaver handles this road schedule now, especially with how important uh, Millard is right there, one of the top three teams in the 2A South. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Sean, let's go to Region 1 here. Big game, I think. Weber at Roy. I think this is a big game that will go a long way to, to determining, okay, who's top dog in this region? Uh, yeah, 100%. I mean, we, we've thrown so much at Weber's direction uh, until – until proven otherwise, they are the two-time defending Region 1 champions. Mm-hmm. I know our friends at Syracuse and uh, Davis and Fremont uh, really get sick of me saying that, but I think they still are, last I checked. Yeah. So Weber, I believe, can wrap up a share of the Region 1 title with a, with win. a win on Friday. Okay. Um, so obviously some pretty big stakes there. And then Roy right behind them, so if they sneak up on them, knock them down a little bit, all of a sudden you see the the mad chaos that our good friend GFOP, good friend of the pod, Patrick Carr, yeah. the standard examiner, talks about on his Twitter timeline every year, um, and also on his burner account, at PK Kinahan, I believe. Yes, absolutely, yes. PK Kinahan. Uh, so, yeah, so you can send any any complaints there. But, uh, yeah, this is, I mean, if, if Weber wins this week, if Weber beats Roy this weekend, I think we see a little bit more status quo in Region 1. Uh, slip up some, and I I don't consider it too much of an upset, but a little bit of an upset uh, if Roy wins, and we see that typical Region 1 chaos. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's always fun to watch. Yeah, absolutely. All right, um, one other thing. Uh, it, well, not one other thing. Moving on to Region 3 here, Sean. We mentioned this in the first segment. Riverton at East, and I think a lot of people are thinking, Riverton at East, this is going to be a bloodbath. Riverton's actually a pretty stout squad this year. They got a good team. Uh, good team. Uh, great team. Well, great team. Yeah, I mean we're we're talking we're talking about two of the three teams currently tied for the lead in Region Three, two and one apiece: uh, Harriman, Riverton, and Bingham. Um, did I say three? There's four. Four. I can count. <laughs> so there are four teams tied for the lead in uh, in Six A's Region Three: Harriman, Riverton, Bingham, and East. One of those teams is definitely going to take a loss yeah. this week. Um, Will it be Riverton? Will it be East? Three weeks ago, I might have given the nod to the Silver Wolves. I think East is starting to find itself, starting to find its groove. I expect them once again to pull away. But this is another one that's probably tied through 
two, three quarters yeah. before before the Leopards get it done. We agree on that on that point, Sean. We agree. We agree. If you know that reference, you know what podcast we're talking about. All right. Anyway, Sean, uh, moving on along here. I know you love your Region 9. Uh, looking at games this weekend, there's one big game in this region in particular. Desert Hills makes Crimson the trek. Crimson Cliff Cedar. <laughs> Cedar's going to smoke Crimson Cliff. Anyways, Desert Hills at Pineview. This is the Willstead family versus the Croton family at quarterback. Oh, I like that. It's true. It's what it is. Uh, we might have. To, is this the uh, intra BYU Cup? Mm, a little bit, yeah. A Willstead, little bit. Willsteads and Crotons? A little bit. Well, of course, uh, Willstead, Logan, Logan's the quarterback now at, at, at Desert Hills. Well, his older brother, Cody, who's now the starting quarterback at Dixie State, a former BYU player, well, he used to be the quarterback once upon a time at Pineview. Well, true. Logan Wilson's now at Desert Hills. McLeod Croton, who you mentioned, uh, we believe is the youngest son of B- former BYU head coach Gary Croton. Well, he's the starting quarterback at Pineview. Yeah, so a little bit of a BYU derby. Uh, any of you BYU fans want to head down to St. George this weekend, this would be a good one to check out. Also, there are some pretty significant stakes in the Region 9 standings. Uh, Pineview on top of the league with a perfect 6-0 and record, mm-hmm. but Desert Hills is right behind them at 5-1. and Between those two and Dixie, um, I think one of those three teams is obviously going to win the Region 9 championship, give themselves a big boost up. A, a big leg up in the playoffs. Obviously, re- region titles don't guarantee anything in this new yeah. RPI system, but I think they'll go a long way in this case. Just because, excuse me, just because of the strength of schedule of those three teams in particular. All right, Sean. I think that is it for me. Are there any other games you want to touch on here? I, I'm just looking at the slate otherwise, and I feel like it's pretty much chalk outside of that this week. Um, Skyview looking for looking to clinch at least a share of the Region 11 title against Bear River. That's probably worth noting. Yeah. I think Skyview is the best of the best in Region 11 and, and kind of that northern of part of 4A. Yeah. Um, oh, no love for the Bears. I, I like Bear River. Don't get me no wrong. No love for the Bears. This is not their year, though. Jake Hatch, Bear River hater. I'm not a Bear River hater. I had a grandmother who went to Bear River once upon a time. Bear River hater. I have Tremont and Roots. Uh, but no, I'm, I'm picking Skyview to, to win that game as well. Um, still a pretty big game for him. Probably worth noting, worth and mentioning. And a game a year ago that would have been a massive, massive game, but it had the luster taken off of it because one of these teams isn't as good as they once were. Morgan at South Summit. A year ago, that would have been an absolute Barn burner. But still a pretty decent game. Still a decent game, but South Summit's not what they were. No, nah, and, and fans of 3A football, if you're looking for something in the Salt Lake Valley, uh, Morgan, or near near to the Salt Lake Valley, I should, that's not quite in the valley, but Morgan at South Summit is, is a really good one. Or might I suggest Juan Diego at Grantsville, just head on over the mountains to the Tooele Valley. I think that's a really, really good Region 13. Either go clash. west or go east. You're going one way or yeah, the other. Yeah, go one way or the other. All right. You don't want to watch Judge Summit Academy. No, you don't. All right. That'll do it for us this week, Sean. Any parting thoughts, shots, or other takes from you? Uh, as always, be excellent to each other. Party on, dudes. And what do we do for rivalry games, Jake? Toss the records out the window. This podcast is brought to you by our good friends. <laughs> yes, absolutely. The Utah Prep Zone brought to you by John Watson Chevrolet. Can't thank them enough for their continued patronage and sponsorship of the podcast. We will be back next week. Until then, enjoy whatever's left of your week. Peace.